Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tent Talks. I am here today with two very special guests. We have Heather Zemp. Hello. And Summer Zemp. Hi. These two ladies have been my friends for a long time, and we get together and we have small community gatherings based on the Wheel of the Year. And we wanted to get together today and talk about that. But before we dive deep into that, Heather, why don't you give us a little intro about who you are and how you came to understand, enjoy celebrating Wheel of the Year? Sure. So I grew up here in Utah, and I'm a mom of five kids. And about five years ago, I underwent kind of a faith transition. I had grown up really Mormon, and it all started kind of falling apart for me. And I was left with kind of a void in my life where that really organized religion piece kind of fell away. And I wanted to find a way to create like ritual and traditions for my family and for myself that would feed my spirit. And so summer, actually, we kind of have discovered this path together, but Druidry came into my world and I started learning a little bit about it and listening to things and studying things. And I felt like I had kind of been burned spiritually from really masculine patriarchal religious practices. And I was looking for something that was nurturing and personal and that I could trust. And I've just always had a real connection to the earth and to nature and... And biology. And biology. (laughs) (laughs) You were a science teacher, right? Yeah, I went to school to study biology. But it's interesting because I've always been drawn to kind of the magical part of it, which is not what you typically learn about in college or anywhere else. But to me, it's just always been very magical and beautiful. And so... Learning a little bit about these ancient practices, which are likely what my ancestors pre-Christianity took part in in some way, just really kind of filled that void for me. So I'm kind of just figuring it out a little as I go. I'm not like doing it in a really organized, formal way. I haven't like joined an order or anything like that. But just what we've been doing as our little community has really helped me be grounded and my family too. So I'm happy to be here and talk about it. Thanks. And then Summer, tell us a little bit about you and how you found your way to celebrating the Wheel of the Year. Yeah, thanks. So my name's Summer, and you might have noticed that we have the same last name. So Heather is married to my brother, and I have my same last name. So we go way back. I would say, like Heather, I also grew up Mormon, and my faith transition happened a long time ago, like when I was kind of 19, 20 years old. Not in 1920. Um, (laughs) I'm pretty old. Um, And my spirituality kind of got channeled into Zen Buddhism. And that's something that I practice even still to this day. And that always kind of gave me everything I felt like I needed as far as kind of spiritual direction. I'm, I'm kind of an introvert by nature. And so that path just really resonated with me. It was just very simple and clean and like, here are some tools and kind of a template for working on yourself. But as I've gotten older, I always really had an affinity for nature and being outside. And that was really, truly my happy place. I often said like trees are my religion, you know, stuff like that. Anyway, and it got to, I never missed like the community piece of church necessarily. And so that wasn't necessarily something I wanted to replace. I think Heather comes more at it oftentimes as like, this is a thing that we like all can do together. I have approached like celebrating the wheel of the year and my interest in it came more as an accessible way to like 
interact and interface with nature in a way that provided meaning other than I'm just like going to go drive up the canyon and sit here under a tree. And so that is kind of how I made my way to it. And I do remember hearing the word like druid or druidism or whatever. And I kind of just wrote it off as that's something that people in Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, like this very <laughs> yeah. kind of like LARP community. <laughs> yeah. And then somebody once said like, well, it's just a religion of trees. And I was like, kind of joking. I was like, I can get behind that, you know, and I kind of did more research into it. And I was like, oh, this is actually just a really lovely path of it's not necessarily a religion at all. Like it dovetails so beautifully with almost any belief system or no belief system, really. It's just connecting with nature. And so I think that was where Heather and I just kind of both jumped off. We're like, yeah, let's do this. And what do you do? And it is also connected to getting older and being more interested in my ancestors and where I came from and who those people were and what they believed and what they did. And so I would say that that's kind of my... Yeah, I feel like I overlap in those areas too of loving nature, wanting to build a relationship with nature and have that be part of my belief system as not only a spiritual practice, but just a relationship to nurture like any other relationship and finally stepping into like when you leave a patriarchal belief system, you leave behind that idea that we are like, have dominion over everything. And so you step out of this hierarchical relationship with nature, and you expand to more of yeah. Realize you are nature. You are nature. You're a part of it. It's a whole ecosystem. And because you're participating in this larger thing, there's reverence and there's respect and there's, yeah, ritual ceremony that takes place in just honoring the cycles and being part of natural rhythms. So Heather, you have a forest school, you teach kids and you have a very like teacher, you taught high school before that, you have a teacher mindset. And so when you started doing this for your family, you had the approach of like, okay, how can we teach the children like these principles of starting with nature? And is that kind of like, was your approach more like to teach it to your kids, I guess? Probably more than both of you, that's been my approach. But I think for me, it was also just recognizing that I've always had this like affinity and wanted to learn about all of the animals and plants. Like I just, I can't learn enough. Even getting in my car every day when I go to go somewhere, half the time I get distracted by the birds I hear and I'm like, oh, I got to hurry and just figure out what that is before I can get in my car. And <laughs> I'm kind of just friends with all the things to me, that helps me know, knowing the names of the plants, knowing the names of the animals helps me feel like I have a place too. Like each of them are so important to this bigger system and I'm part of that. And I just really wanted my kids to feel grounded and safe in the world that we live in. And by understanding it and having a relationship with it and recognizing those cycles, it it's fun because now we're on our second go around the wheel of learning about the different sabbats. So for people who've never heard of the wheel of the year, can you guys give a overview of what that is? 
Yeah, I would be happy to actually. So when Heather and I were getting together and like, how, you know, how can we integrate this into our family? Like these ideas and these things that we're learning about, we talked about just following the wheels of the year. And obviously we have a lot of mutual friends and we're in similar communities of like, oh, they're having this, you know, Beltane ceremony or whatever. And so it was kind of in my periphery. But it was only when we decided like, yeah, we're going to do it and we're just going to celebrate everyone. And so the wheel of the year is basically, it's just describing the cyclical nature of nature. Every year, our cycles, our lifetimes are cycles, many lifetimes are cycles. We practice the wheel of the year and it has divided into eight different kind of seasons. And so there are, we call them sabbats. They're just the days that we celebrate. There's eight of them. They start with the new year, which is Samhain, and it coincides with Halloween on October 31st. And it's just traditionally considered the new year. And another thing about these dates are, it's not exactly the date. Like there is a date that's Samhain, but the work that you do during that period or the things that you notice or what you're focusing on, that's really lasts like six weeks until the next one. So they're kind of, they're kind of seasons in themselves, but I'll have Heather tell you a little bit about Samhain. Yeah. So Samhain I love, and it's interesting because it happens throughout time and throughout different cultures that this time of year around Halloween is when the veil is thin and when our ancestors or those who have gone before are closest to us and near us. And so you see it in lots of different cultures, but it's really fun to try and connect and learn about ancestry and those who have gone before us. And the next one is a solar festival and it's Yule and it's on December 21st or the winter solstice. And all of these relate to the Northern hemisphere. We probably should specify that. So if you lived in Australia, they would be flat locked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We love winter solstice. Winter solstice is celebrating the darkest time of the year. It's when the earth has the least amount of sunlight. And so it's kind of a time when everything is dark and it's very inward. And when you hit that winter solstice, the darkest night of the year, that's when the days start to get longer again. And so traditionally it would be celebrated of the light is going to return and that year is died There's some old myths about a king that dies every year and a new baby is reborn, which also kind of correlates. So many of these correlate with Christian tradition, too. It's really interesting with the birth of the son as Jesus. Like a lot of these have kind of a Christian counterpart, and it's really interesting to look because often thematically they have a similar kind of feeling and message, but it's all also related to where we are with regards to the sun and the, the cycle of the seasons. So Yule is, we typically will celebrate it with having a dinner in the dark. Everything's only by candlelight and they're singing and welcoming back the sun. I love all of these now. <laughs> yeah. No, I could talk I think, all day about all of them. <laughs> I think Everyone it's interesting. Yeah. Is our favorite. Everyone. <laughs> and then, so six weeks later after Yule, is called Imbolc, and that's usually celebrated around the 1st of February. Heather? Yeah, Imbolc is really fun. It's when um, the first stirrings of spring are beginning to happen. And traditionally, this is when the baby lambs would be born, and so the ewes would now have milk, which through the winter and olden times, they didn't have access to milk. And so that was, it was a time of like, yay, it's coming. Spring is coming. This food source for us and for the babies has returned and a time of things starting to wake up. And then six weeks after that, it's Ostara. So that coincides with spring equinox. Yes. And it's kind of centered around the goddess Ostara. 
And she would like walk the earth and where she walked, things would be woken up. And what I really like too about studying the Sabbaths is, you know, coming from an LDS background where it was very much like you study these scriptural stories and then you try and liken it to yourself. Something I really like about this path is that there are all these ancient stories and texts about different gods and goddesses and stories that, you know, pre-Christianity people pre-Christian had created to explain the world around them. And it's kind of fun to take those stories and look and see what is the lesson for us in modern times. And I really like to do that. Not in a, in a way for me, it's not for some people it might be, but for me, it's not like I believe I have a testimony of the goddess Ostara. I know she's true. (laughs) It's not like that at all, but it's like looking at like in my life, where do I see seasons of things awakening and beginning to grow? And what is it that I want to awaken and begin to grow within myself? And as a family, what do we want to grow? And I really like that part of it of like likening what we're seeing in the seasons and in these ancient stories, I kind of do like the ancient stories, but how can we liken it to what we're seeing? For me, it leaves me feeling really grounded. It's like a tool for personal growth to me because these are cycles and we're going through the year and we're going through all these things. We're also all the time continually planting seeds that we want to grow. We're setting intentions. We're nurturing them. We're nourishing them. We're watching them unfold. Eventually, hopefully we're harvesting them and then we're taking a break and we're breathing and we're going inward and we're saying like, okay, let's reflect on that. Let's have a moment of like, time to just kind of recollect ourselves and then the cycle starts all over again. So we try to incorporate all those things into these kind of celebrations. But so after Ostara is Beltane and that was the one we just barely celebrated. So that's the beginning of May. Yeah. Heather, what did we do for Beltane? Uh, So Beltane was great fun. We, it's a real celebration. We have a feast. We always have good food because I think that just creates fun Everyone enjoys it. We have a feast and then we build two fires. <laughs> and <laughs> traditionally, they would take all of the people in their household and their animals and go through the two fires to bless them with fertility and abundance for the coming growing season. And so we do it in a really playful way. And we all dance and do our little shimmies through the two fires and cheer for each other and try not to bless the young people too much because we don't want them to be too fertile. <laughs> and Not yet. <laughs> uh, we also did a maypole where we, you know, attached ribbons to a pole and we do it in a very lighthearted way. We don't take any of this too seriously, but it's really fun to, we turn some fun music on and we dance around the maypole and run into each other bumper boat style and just a lot of fun. It's okay. like pagan twister. That's what my daughter calls it. <laughs> Pig and twister. And then, so after Beltane, the next one that we're looking forward to celebrating is Litha or summer solstice. So that'll be midsummer, June 21st, usually. Yeah, midsummer is the longest day of the year. So it's exactly opposite of winter solstice and Yule. And it's really celebrating you're in the heady part of the summer when everything is blossoming and growing and fruitful. And it's similar to Beltane, but it's a little bit more, I don't know, raucous maybe. <laughs> Anciently, it was definitely kind of a raucous time when people were maybe a little promiscuous and they'd have these parties and who knew what was going on in the bushes. But we don't do that with our family. We're kind of normal. <laughs> I don't know. We like, just that we're talking lemonade. about kind of normal is like really <laughs> subjective. <laughs> okay, so the next one would be Lunasa, and that is August 1st. So that's the first... They kind of are divided into like, there are three that 
focus on the different kind of aspects of winter, three that focus on the different aspects of summer, etc. And so Lunasa is the kind of the mid-summer, right? yeah. This is the harvest of like vegetables and plants. And then the next Berries. one is wheat. Yeah, there's the weedy There's the green, first harvest. The first harvest. Yeah. So then it's like looking at like, oh, we planted all these things mm-hmm. and now they're coming to fruition and let's eat raspberries. Let's eat raspberries and all and the bread. delicious things that mm-hmm. are available that time of year, the fresh fruits and vegetables and celebrating that the earth has provided for us. And then the last one of the eight is celebrated towards the end of September. It's autumn equinox and it's Maybon. Yep. And that's the final gathering in of the grain and the fields are done producing and it's a time of gathering and storing and preparing for the coming cold months. But it's also very celebratory because the grain is the stuff that can be stored and used throughout the winter. And so it's like gathering in the sustenance, preparing for the long darkness, but still celebrating that we have what we do have. One thing that we do, and maybe this is a good transition to the next thing we talk about, is each time we celebrate one of the Sabbaths, we typically have a feast because, of course, we want to eat a lot of good food. And then <laughs> sometimes we'll even do like a craft or uh, some sort of a fun little activity. The teacher in me is like, oh, we've got to make corn husk dolls, and now let's make Yule logs and like all of these kind of traditional crafts. Sometimes we'll meet earlier, have a little craft, we'll have a nice, yummy, big feast, prepare the food together. And then we'll get together for some sort of a ritual or ceremony that we kind of devise ourselves based on the season and what it is we want to do. Sometimes they're more formal than others, but we'll hold a circle. And everyone, typically we try and make it so that everyone there has a chance to share and process and kind of integrate the season for themselves in some way. And that's everyone from the six-year-old who's you know, jumping off the walls all the way up to (laughs) the husbands that are the 46 year olds, the 46 year olds who have maybe very different focuses in their life than the kids. But it's really, especially I feel like for the teenagers, it's a time for them to just really reflect on like where they are personally, what they're going through and feeling supported by all of the people we're sitting in a circle, just supporting each other. And I feel like it's really brought us closer together and just this kind of cool thing that we share. And I love to sing, so I try and always make sure we do some singing. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I think everyone enjoys it. At first it was kind of like, what are we doing? And now it's everyone wants to do it mostly. So we're in the second year of doing this, the second Mm -hmm. of of doing it like consistently. Like Uh, we won't miss one. Like even if we're just like all so frenzied and stressed, we're like, stop everything. Sunday, we're having dinner. And sometimes those end up my favorite ones. Mm -hmm. We started very like, we're just figuring this out. Like Heather said, she has five kids. I have four kids, two of whom still live at home and are teenagers. And the other ones will pop in every once in a while. But it's very much like, how do we make this accessible to all these different ages? How do we make it feel like there's something that we can impart that's valuable, that we can take away, that's applicable to whatever age. I think there's also a real sensitivity on our part of trying not to make it feel like too religious or prescriptive, or this is how it is. And this is, you know, like, this is just for everyone's interpretation. And so I think we started, and it's evolved kind of over time. Like for me, in the beginning, it was all about the food. I was like, I just need an excuse to make the craziest <laughs> lavender, whatever, whatever. And I would find these wild recipes. And so 
and like Heather said, we'll do like activities and we'll do all these different things. In the beginning, it was very much like, okay, we're meeting at this time. We'll spend two hours on painting. We'll do this and this. And now I kind of like how it's just turned into this. Everybody shows up. We're all just in the kitchen or the backyard. We're all just hanging out. Some people are painting. Some people are cooking. Some people are in the back, you know, drinking. Some people are (laughs) all the different things. Enjoying the fruits of the harvest. Uh, but our kids, it's fun now because since they've been through them and they're familiar with what they each are, and when they're like, well, what one is this, Mom? I don't know what one this is. I'm like, oh, it's in bulk. We always have pancakes. I, it became, now we've done it twice, so now it's always. But we have a tradition of eating milk-heavy foods for in bulk because that's when the milk returned to the use. But it turned into a breakfast pancake bar and because circles yes and circles and all those things and and we dress someone up as bridget well we have dressed we made a little crown a saint bridget (laughs) crown and it's just really fun because like the first year my little five-year-old at that time daughter wore the crown and carried her little lamb around and was dressed all in white and we did this little ritual where she came and lit all of our candles and and i think that they really remember that and now like summer's daughter will just volunteer like I want to make spell jars for this one or I want to be the one to to create a little mandala circle for us to sit around or I want to be the one to kind of be in charge of some aspect of the ritual or the craft or whatever and I love that they're starting to feel ownership of it and wanting to contribute in meaningful ways to it too so that's fun to see that happen it's easy too when it's based on seasonal living because Everybody understands seasons because we're all living within it. And so once they've had that introduction of how to use nature to symbolize what's going on internally, they can take ownership over it and they can morph it into what they want. And give some context. Yeah, some context. And I do want to say that like when we first started out and we were, you know, having people share, there was kind of like this quietness about people and, you know, now that we've done it so many times, even like the dudes will be like really into it and they'll just have something prepared that they want to share because they know what their seeds are that they're planting and what that symbolizes. And I just have loved watching everybody from adults to children open up to the idea that like it's safe to share and it's safe to identify and relate to the earth and to understand your life through the seasons. I felt like that's been my biggest nourishing part of participating in these. One of my favorite things actually secretly is that both my husband and Heather's husband have like offline told me how much they look forward to these. When sometimes I just, I think in the beginning assumed that they just, you know, they're being supportive. They're showing up. This is what their family's doing. But if we ever talk about like, oh, I don't know if we'll be able to do this or stress, like it's usually my husband that's like, no, we'll figure out a way to make it work. Like this is, <laughs> this is fun. I really look forward to these. And he is like the most introverted introvert ever. And he just loves us. Cause I think it does do exactly what you just said, which is like, give you a space to, to talk about these things or think about these things in a place that's like supported and supportive and you're safe to just say whatever, like, yeah, this is my shadow self. This is the part that I I would love to work on or look at for the next six weeks or whatever. And then six weeks later, like, this is the conclusion I came to. And this is what I've changed. And this is what I want to plant in its place. And 
especially if you knew these people, I think it would be all the more like impressive to be like, oh, they totally dig this. And like Heather said, there is no book that we're following. Like these are very much flavored by our own personalities and our own interests. Life experiences. Yeah. And so like when we're celebrating Beltane and we're doing fires, like this past time, my brother brought out the flamethrower and that was like, (laughs) great fun like that was one of the fires and that's totally him and he loves the fire festivals because fire but it's something that resonates with him in a way that's totally accessing kind of that like spiritual piece but like in such a way that doesn't feel forced yeah yeah there's enough representation in nature where you can find yourself Mm -hmm. Yeah, if someone would have told me like 10 years ago that you're going to be this crazy pagan that is throwing festivals with your children where you're doing all these, you know, walking through fires and doing stuff like that, I would have been like, I don't think so. Those pagans, they were bad. You know, eat, drink, and be merry is awful. That's tomorrow we die. Oh, that's terrible. We got to, you know, find someone to save us from ourselves or whatever I used to believe. But now I'm like, yeah, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Like truly. And death is part of the cycle. And I think that's something that going through the will of the year over and over and spending time in nature and seeing all the leaves fall and the plants all die and the snow fall on top of it. And knowing that that death is not necessarily an end. It's just part of the cycle and the will is going to keep going. And I'm going to find my place in that pattern. And I have a place and everything is just as it should be. And we can eat, drink and be merry and we will die. And it's cool. Everything dies and everything is reborn. And we can trust in that over and over and over again, whether it be our life as a whole or just little pieces of experiences we're going through, we will see that cycle over and over and over. And we can just trust it and be happy in the moment that we're in right now. Love that. That was like the most beautiful wrap up. I don't know. I think we could. Fuck yeah. Well, thank you both for being on here and for sharing your experience with celebrating the Wheel of the Year and how that's helped find an outlet for spirituality and expression and integrating the self. Do you have any like final thoughts that you want to share? I don't know. I think if any part of this appeals to you, regardless of if you have a faith tradition or a spiritual kind of practice or not, I think it's really lovely to like observe some of these things, even if it's like noticing where the sun comes up on the horizon in September versus where it comes up on the horizon in May, like those little things add richness to every day. Yeah. And I feel like anything that we can do to connect with this magical world we live in really can just bring us joy and, and being grounded. And I love to share about what we do and I just wish everyone the best on their journey to find what works for you. And um, yeah. Thank you so much, Stacey, for having us today. It's been super fun. Yeah, thanks. See you next time on TED Talks.